0: Amen, amen, you guys can take a seat, you guys can take a seat, praise the Lord, amen, good to see you guys, everybody say, God with us, everybody say, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. it's the same thing, it's the same thing, how many of you knew that, raise your hand, amen, how many of you did not know that, raise your hand, see, you know, you may say, man, why are you saying that, I've heard that before, it's because not everyone knows that, Everybody, uh, welcome to Elevate. Welcome to Elevate. Amen. This month is a special month. It's better than the previous two months because Halloween is nothing compared to Christmas and Thanksgiving is like pre-Christmas, right? How many of you feel that way? I know you guys feel that way. I know, Josie, you listen to Christmas music right now. I, well, not right now. You better not be, But, but like on the way here... Some of y'all are listening to Christmas music. Some of your parents are already listening to Christmas music. And I love Christmas. Christmas is such an awesome season. Not because of the gifts, uh, because, listen, sometimes when you get older, you just realize gift giving, gift giving is hard. It's not the easiest thing to do. And then it, people stop giving you gifts, really, you know? Like, and when they do give you gifts, usually it's socks, or like underwear, or like some shirts, and you're actually thankful for that because you you need that. But when you're younger, it's like, man, let me get the PS5. Let me get the Switch. Let me get like some new AirPods. Let me get some new shoes. And you're just thinking, man, what what can God give me this year through my parents, right? How many of y'all still believe in Santa here? All right, good, because I was about to just completely... Sorry. I'm breaking that down today. Listen, Christmas... Is a special time, not because of Santa Claus, not because of gifts, not because of anything that they have made through commercials and, and all that stuff, uh, and not even because your family get together and you get to eat food. It's not because of that, but it's, it's another holiday where we get to remember the incarnation. Everybody say incarnation. I've talked about this before. It's Jesus becoming flesh, Jesus becoming like one of us. And that's the most precious thing ever. That's better than anything anyone can ever offer you. That's better than anything a a religion can gift wrap. You know, a lot of days uh, we're always taught hearing like, man, every religion is really the same, you know. But when you get to this, it divides everything. Muslims scoff at this. Hindus are kind of freaked out by this, right? The Greek pagans couldn't get this either, that God could be fully God, yet be born as a baby, That the same God that breathed life, breathed life into Adam was now the same God who was resting in the arms of Mary. The same God who created the earth and the heavens was the same God that was crying at birth. You see, that's something that a lot of people can't really get with. And it's important to understand it's so important that actually the first holiday that you know people used to celebrate was actually called the nativity, right? That's what people would call it. Before they started celebrating Christmas, uh, in the first couple centuries, they celebrated the nativity, right? So the idea of Christmas is not even close to being pagan. I don't care what anyone says, but the nativity itself, right? That's what people would talk about. And what just is what what is the nativity? What's the journey of Mary and Joseph? to getting to that manger and having, you know, Jesus, Mary giving birth to Jesus. That journey, that's what people would celebrate because it was such an amazing time, and it was something that people were waiting for. When we go to Isaiah chapter 7, 14, we just read Isaiah 9, and we'll go back there in a second. But Isaiah chapter 7, 14 says this. That a virgin will give birth to a child, and that child's name will be called Emmanuel. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel. So can we go to uh, Isaiah back to Isaiah chapter 9? In Isaiah chapter 9, it talks a little bit more about this son, right? Everybody says son. Not a daughter, right? Anybody ever heard God is a woman? See, man, like Ariana, she's tripping. She's tripping. I don't know. Really, what she's saying is that women are gods. That's what she's saying here. So if you see a woman, she's a God. That's what she's really saying. She doesn't actually believe in God. I don't know. She might be agnostic, or whatever. But the bigger message she's trying to portray is women are gods. But no, women are not gods. I'm sorry. You know, you're not even really a queen unless you're saved because the Bible says that you're kings and queens, right? You're, you're priests, right? But if you, uh, you know... A lot of people like to call women queens now. Listen, not every woman is a queen. I'm just going to be honest with y'all. Some of y'all are kind of weird, man. Like some of y'all are off the wall, kind of like need to get your life in order. You know, so not every woman is a queen. All right? You don't need to. So guys, you don't need to call every woman a queen, but treat them with respect. And not every man is a king. Okay? And this is important to understand because Mary, she was chosen by God to give birth to this son. Right? She wasn't. Uh, you know, forced. A lot of people like to say, "Well, Mary was forced or something. She didn't have a choice." You know how ah, God, God, God isn't pro-choice. A lot of weird arguments of, that you'll hear nowadays about God. But God selected Mary. Chose Mary. Mary was humbled by this. Mary saw herself as a servant, not as a you know some type of queen, and most importantly, not as some type of mediator, not some type of savior. A lot of the Catholics think, "Oh, well, Mary." Mary had to be pure without sin in order to give birth to Jesus, who was without sin. So Mary could have never sinned. Listen, I want to let you know, Mary was a sinner in need of a Savior, even though she gave birth to the Savior. Understand that. If she was completely sinless, that means her mama had to be completely sinless. And that means her mama was mama had to be completely sinless. And that's where the foil goes into that. But when we go to Isaiah chapter 9, let's go down a little bit more to verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, describes this son. And I'm going go to go a lot of scripture, and I'm going to try to get through it as quick as possible. Because I know, you know, we live in a generation that's just... Not really able to to stay focused for more than 10 minutes at a time. Don't worry. I was born into that generation. I get it. So we're going to go through it really quickly. Isaiah chapter 9. It says, for us, a child is born and a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called, hold up. I thought he was going to be called Emmanuel. You guys should have thought when I said he'll be called Emmanuel, well, his name is actually Jesus if we're talking about that guy. Well, it's different. His name is Jesus, right? But he's called these things. He's called these things. These things have a, speci- uh, a significant meaning, right? Like you're Brian, but your Bible app name, you're called Crocodile Gamer, right? Right? It, it's, very, it's, not, it's not the same as that, but understand this. This is not a contradiction here. It's not like they're making stuff up. Jesus is named. Well, Yahweh's, Yahweh, right, gave Jesus to us. And we find out who Jesus was before he became uh, the Savior, the Messiah. He was the Word. But he was given the name Jesus. But he is called, right, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Not Mighty Son of God. That's interesting. It says Mighty God. A lot of people think the Father is like Big God and and Jesus is a little baby dad or baby, baby God, you know, baby God, little niño God. Little poquito God, right? Poquito Dios. No, he's not a little God. He's just like big God, you know? There's only, there's only big God. There's no little God. And everlasting Father, that's another thing. He's called everlasting Father. And he's called Prince of Peace. So he's called all these things. And it says, of the greatness of his government peace, there will be no end. He's a king as well. So he's called a lot of things. He has a lot of roles, but this is all found in the son that is going to be born out of this virgin. Let's go now to Matthew. Matthew uh, chapter 2. Matthew cha- Actually, Matthew chapter 1, 18 to 23. Matthew chapter 1, 18 to 23. Okay, you're faster than me. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to marry Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing. Mary was given, uh, basically was had an encounter with an angel, and the angel told him that you'll be given birth to a son. And she's like, wait, hold up. I can't do that. I'm a virgin. Now, scientifically, there is actually a possibility that a woman who's a virgin could actually give birth. It's a weird thing. It's a weird. I looked it up one day when I was studying this passage. But usually that would be it would be she would give birth to a daughter. So if there's a scientific possibility that it could ever, ever happen, I want to let you know God does miracles. So He can alter science. He can give life to an egg right that has no need for a man, and boom, can come a child. So understand this. A lot of people will be like, "Man, you know Mary straight line. No, Mary was not lying." Okay. Mary was not lying. If, if she was lying, right, and then her best friend, her best friend would have knew she was lying. And then her best friend would have made the same lie. Everybody would in the village would have been making the same lie. Oh, you, you, you're not married? No, God gave me a baby, right? But no, no, this is a once-in-a-lifetime moment. Jesus is, is now being uh, prof- uh, basically prophesied here that the Messiah would come through Mary. So Mary goes to tell Joseph... Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in his mind to divorce her. So he didn't believe her. He's like, listen, woman, you cheated on me. That's what you did. And I want to let you guys know how serious engagement is according to the law and according to Jesus' culture. That even though they weren't married, they were engaged right? He still was going to go and divorce her. So there was a clear binding. It wasn't a binding like a marriage, but there was an engagement. There was a commitment, and he was going to break that commitment secretly because he loved Mary and didn't want Mary to get embarrassed. However, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord had appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus means God saves. How many of you know someone named Joshua? My middle name is Joshua, so if you don't know, now you do know, right? Joshua means, it sounds a lot like Yahshua, right? Yeshua, because that's what it is. Yeshua is Joshua. Yeshua, really the real name of Jesus, if you go all the way back, right, you just trace the etymology or the, the study of language, it's not uh, Jesus, it's Joshua. However, we call Jesus, Jesus, because the translation from uh jesus to greek right would be jesus jesus so then they made it jesus but that's just in case people like to bring up oh there's no j's in hebrew oh it's okay we don't need a j but understand this joshua means god saves jesus's name literally means god saves understand that so why because he will save his people from their sins it's important to understand. Who's saving who from their sins? Jesus is saving His people from their sins. Keep that in mind. We're going to go to Luke chapter seven. Uh, no, sorry, Luke chapter two, verse eight to fourteen. So we have Matthew uh, recording Mary and Joseph both getting a in, in visitation from this angel. Okay. Now we go to Luke. And this is the time where he's giving uh, where Mary is giving birth. All right? Let's go a little bit higher, please. No, higher. Sorry. There you go. All right. So uh, actually go back to eight. Sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. And where and there were shepherds living on the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Think about Isaiah, what Isaiah said, that the joy would increase in the nation. And he says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you, okay? Remember, the Lord is going to give a sign, a son, okay? And this is the sign. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger, okay? I think uh, we need to go a little bit back to Luke, because I do want you to see when Jesus is born, because I want to see you I want to show you what's happening, and then eventually I'm gonna show you uh how it's happening. So Luke chapter two. I'm gonna look for it myself for a second. Luke chapter two. Now let's go back to Luke chapter one, sorry. Oh, forgive me. Luke chapter 2, verse 4. Luke chapter 2. It says, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea and to Bethlehem, the town of David. Bethlehem in Micah chapter 5 is where the Messiah is going to be born. And I'm painting this picture for you guys. I I want you guys to see this, that this is not just a random moment. A lot of people don't understand just how long people were waiting for the Messiah. Everything revolved around the birth of the Messiah. Everybody, Everything revolved around the Messiah coming. Literally, in this book, there's a woman who spent her whole life waiting because the Lord promised her that she would see the Messiah. There's also a man that was promised that he would see the Messiah. So everybody was waiting for this Messiah. So Joseph... Uh, he goes to Bethlehem because he belonged to the house in the line of David. So Jesus related to Joseph, right, stepdad kind of in a way, right, uh, David is the king, and David's lineage traces to Joseph. Jesus being in the house of Joseph, right, the son of Mary, he now is taken upon that lineage, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came uh, for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped, to cl- uh, she wrapped them in cloths and placed them in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out, and then I just went through that verse. So we understand this. This is the moment. This is what's happening. So this is what's happening right now. They're going from town to town trying to find a place for Jesus to be born, and they end up only being able to, be, uh, to, to give this birth. This birth has to happen now in a manger. A manger kind of like think almost like a farm shed type with animals everywhere. That's kind of like what a manger looks like. You guys have seen the pictures. So that's what's happening. That's what's happening in this this time right now. But let's look at how everyone, uh, let's go to John chapter 1, uh, verse 14. So we see there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of prophecy. And this isn't just Isaiah. It goes back to Genesis. Literally, people were reading their book. Right, their Torah, right, the first five books of the Bible, reading Genesis and being like, what's going to happen? When is the seed going to happen? When is this guy going to come? When are we going to be rescued? When are things going to change? When are we going to be liberated? When are we going to be free? That's what the Jewish people were thinking as they were reading the Torah. And then uh, let's go to John chapter one, actually. John chapter one, verse one. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene. It wasn't a random occurrence, right? It wasn't something that just popped up. Jesus was waited for. Jesus was longed for. People were waiting, counting the hours, the years for Jesus to come. The generations, literally, do you know why you see all these generations being listed? It's because a seed was supposed to come. So they're keeping track. The seed hasn't come. The seed hasn't come. The seed hasn't come. Finally, the seed comes. And it comes not in a way that they're expecting it. See, John, he, he puts it kind of like how it's happening. It says, in the beginning was the Word. Everybody say the Word. Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God in the beginning. So it wasn't like there was a time where he wasn't God. In the very beginning. Let's look about Genesis. This is referencing Genesis. Genesis says what? In the beginning God created so in the beginning there's God who's God the word is God and the word is with God literally the word is with God means the word was facing God facing him and through him through the word all things were made everybody say all things All things. That means not a single thing that has been made was made without him. Everything that was made was made through him. So does that mean he was made or not made? Is Jesus made or not made? He's not made, but he's born. And there's a big difference. In him was life, and that life was the light. Everybody say light. See, a great light has dawned on us. And it says of all mankind the light shines in the darkness everybody say darkness and the darkness has not overcome it do you see the reference you see what the bible is helping us understand is jesus is this great light you see this world is full of darkness literally i was watching a podcast the other day and there's a new uh, there's a new thing that they're trying to introduce into the lgbtq plus community and that is this pedosexuality. There was a guy that was trying to introduce pedosexuality. He got fired, though. Praise God. People still got sense. He got fired from his, his, uh, his, uh, his career, and his book is still out there, but it's calling these people minor attracted persons, right? And he's trying to help people understand is that you can be attracted to a minor, right? Let me help you understand this. Attraction, and what he's saying, is a sexual lust, It's a sexual lust. And he's saying no one can really control their attractions. Well, Jesus said if you lust in your heart, you know, you're guilty of adultery. So he says do not lust. So he's saying people who lust after minors can't help themselves. Let's just hope they don't act on it. There's darkness in this world, right? We're learning more about what's happening uh, with abortion and how people are literally taking almost like their own communion. They're taking these uh, Plan B pills and they're popping them, shouting out their abortion as if it's some kind of communion. Like, you know how we take the bread? That's how they're taking these pills on some weird, dark things, right? People right, are, are fantasizing about shooting up their schools. There was just a school shooter that happened recently, a school shooting that happened recently where a kid literally made a social media post. I don't know if it was a tweet or anything. He said, today's going to be crazy, right? He's literally plotting of killing people in his school. She's darkness in this world. Back then, it was no different. You see, humanity has not changed. It's been dark, But a light has dawned in this dark world. See, a light has arrived in this dark world where there's depression, where there's anxiety, where there's murder, where there's killing, where there's loss of trust, breaking trust. You see, there has been a light that has shined in the darkness. And it says, in him was life. The light was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, I don't care how how dark your life gets. I don't care how dark this world gets. The darkness cannot overcome the light. But not only can it not overcome it, you see, John, he's a little bit of a rapper. He uses a lot of wordplay. That word in the Greek could also mean understand it. See, the darkness can't understand the light either. The darkness can't understand the light. When the light comes, just like when you're sleeping, like imagine you, Hannah, you know, it's a good Saturday, you're sleeping in, but then all of a sudden there's an outreach and your dad is taking you, so he wakes you up at 8 a.m. and he turns on the light, you're probably like, oh man, the darkness, I don't even understand where it's coming from at this moment. See, the darkness is like that when it comes to the light of Christ. The light of Christ shines and the darkness can overcome it. Let's go to verse 14 now. You see, in that word, who is the true light, That word became flesh. Everybody say flesh. And that flesh, right? And he made his dwelling among us. He has made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Man, praise the Lord. You guys don't understand what just happened here. You see, the whole, the the creator, okay? And we, we need to really think this through. God came into this world, not like some Pokemon, not like some, some super Greek god. I don't know if you guys have ever seen The Watchmen. If you've never seen it, don't see it, right? There's this blue, big, giant superhero who's completely, like literally contemplates wiping out humanity because we're so wicked, right? He, he, he doesn't come like that. He doesn't come like Thanos, like, man, I'm just going to snap half the world, start over. I'll start my kingdom like that. No, he comes in flesh. Weak, vulnerable, susceptible to sickness, temptable flesh. He comes in our world, and he lives like us. And that is the beauty of Christmas, is that Jesus, who is beautiful, the true light, majestic, glorious, we've seen his glory, that's what they say, he steps out of that and he comes into this dark world. And when he comes into this dark world, he's not born like, like people that are noble. He's born like a servant, less than a servant. He's born in the place of animals. He's born with the beast almost. And, and, and this is the Savior. See, why did God have to come so low? Why did God have to come so low? Well, he came for the lowly, that's why. You see... The, the beauty of Christmas is not the gifts because it's the complete opposite, actually. You see, God came for the people who couldn't even afford gifts, really. He came for the people that hadn't that needed some gifts. He came for the people that were in need. So he became a person that literally was in need, a baby. He experienced it completely from the moment he opened his eyes, right? The moment he saw Mary's face, he was a human. God is full, God became a man. Think about this. God became a man. The divine became human, but he still was fully God. Jesus didn't stop being God. It said the word became flesh. That means literally he put flesh on him. The Bible says that the fullness of deity, that means the 100% uh, magnitude of who God is, that nature, that that was in Jesus. So Jesus, fully God, fully man, right? He's there in the manger what we needed was a savior we needed god and god wasn't like these other religions right like you guys will be sent off if all of a sudden you start to think man let me let me look into these other religions i mean go ahead look into it i've looked into other religions to study and everything i'm not saying don't do that right that's like trying to keep you ignorant no i want you to see just how different these things are from christianity you see when you look into other religions, they have to seek after their God with everything they got just to maybe have a chance of pleasing him. You see, with the Greeks and the, and the people that, that we encounter in the Bible, you had people that had to cut themselves, had to slit their wrists just to get some attention from their God. You had people in the Greeks that they had to have orgies. They had to do all these things. They had to make uh, temples and build monuments just to say, God, look at us. But what did God do? Truly, the true God, the true light, what did he do? Well, he came to us. He came to us. You see, the gift of God, the gift of Christmas is God with us, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. If you make it about anything else you're completely off topic. You're, you will be lost because there's no greater joy than the joy that was presented to us on that day. That's when joy entered this world. You see, it's not when your PS5 came in Christmas, right? And, it, and you were able to restock. Listen, I, I love, I've been, I've been trying to get into resales lately. So I've been up at like 6 a.m., 5 a.m. trying to get like game systems so I can resell it. And listen, I'm telling you, There's nothing compared to the joy of having Christ. There's no game. There's no people, no person. You may be thinking, man, I can't wait to do this. When I get out of church, I'm going to go here. Man, I need a boyfriend. I need to hang out. I need a girlfriend. I need to go chill. You think you need all these things. Listen, they will not give you joy. You see, joy already came. Joy has come into this world. And if you don't get with this joy you'll be lost your whole life listen you come here you're trying to get a quick fix and elevate i'm just coming to worship if i don't get goosebumps it was a bad night listen forget your goosebumps I don't care about your goosebumps. Your goosebumps can come when you listen to a song. Your goosebumps can come all of a sudden when you hear something or someone touches you by accident. Right? Your goosebumps are nothing. Joy is better than your goosebumps. Joy is better than your relationships. Joy came in a manger as Jesus. You guys understand what I'm saying? Can I have the altar workers come up, please, and Melanie as well? Let's go to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. You see, Jesus, he was prophesied about thousands of years before he was born, right? Understand what that means about us, right? Many of you were born maybe like 11 to 18 years ago, but before that, no one had an idea of who you were except God. Understand that. You're, you're, people are excited to have you born. You know, they're excited to have you. Maybe some of you, you know, you're, you're gen- you had a gender reveal for yourself and everything. Of course, you didn't plan it, but your parents did. Maybe you're around that, that age limit. Maybe some of you, right, uh, they knew about your gender. They bought you all these clothes. You had your own nursery, maybe, maybe. But there's no amount of waiting like Jesus, like people had for Christ. See, people waited years for Jesus. They waited their whole lives for Jesus. They waited generations. And what I want to encourage you guys to do is don't live for your life. I want to help you understand this. Your life is 60 to 70 years. You guys don't think about that. I don't expect you to. Your opinions, your reservations, that means the things you hold back, right, your embarrassments, all those things, Are like smoke, vapor, even you guys thinking you're going to go to college and do something with your life, honestly, in seven years after you're dead, it won't even matter. I want you to know that. You know, we we have people that are so caring about their life, and we see that in Christmas. They're always about what they can do, what they can get, how they can party, all these things they got to do, but they forget about the son and what he did. You see, it's all about Jesus. Your life, it isn't about Jesus, it's about nothing. Because only Christ, his kingdom is going to last forever. Your kingdom is going to, it's going to fail. Your kingdom is going to just go when you're done, right? Do you know how many rulers there have been? you know how many rich people there's been? you know how many doctors there have been? you know how many athletes there's been? You got people that are trying to really scramble, really scrape and claw just to, be, to keep their fame, keep their legacy. One person I think about is Michael Jordan. He's one of the saltiest athletes I've ever, ever read about. Anybody ever talks about him in a bad way, he, he gets mad, he gets angry. One of his older teammates right now just said that, just started taking shots at him, Scottie Pippen, taking shots at his legacy. But I'm telling you right now, 100 years, people aren't gonna know about Michael Jordan. Do you guys know about Wilt Chamberlain? Exactly. He had 100 points in a single game. He says he slept with over 10,000 women. He says he could lift over 700 pounds. Ain't nobody know him. Nobody care about him. He's gone. And he only died like eight years ago. You understand? Have you guys ever heard? How many of you know about who Michael Jackson is? Some of you have even rose your hand. Listen, he's supposed to be the king of pop. I'm telling you right now, 100 years ago, he'll be a distant memory. Frank Sinatra, anybody know Frank Sinatra? Anybody know Beethoven? Right? Back in their day, everybody's hands would go up, and they would scream. They'd be like, yeah, I love Beethoven. I'm telling you, some of your hands didn't go up. It's going to be less and less each generation. Now, I'm going to ask you this. How many people are going to know you, Brian Crackle? Right? How many people are going to know you, Evie? Yeah, Not that many people. Not even your grandchildren are going to know you. Great, great, great grandchildren. I hope your grandchildren know you in Jesus' name. Amen. Right? People aren't going to know me. No matter how many likes TJ gets in his Facebook. Ain't nobody going to care about TJ in 300 years. Listen, your birth and your life is very insignificant in the grand scheme of things, but God cares. You see, Jesus being born was a gift to us. This life is what matters. God with us in the flesh. You see, when God came and he dwelt with us in the flesh, what that means is he pitched his tent. I've showed you guys the picture of the tent, right? Where they had, the, they had the tents all around and there was the glory of the Lord. Listen, everybody should be centered around Jesus. He's dwelling among us. If your life, if your people that you're around, if your family, if everything you, that you own, if nothing, if everything you own is not surrounded and centered around Christ, then you're out of place in this world. Because he came to dwell with us. He didn't come to dwell next to us. He didn't come to dwell above us. He came to dwell with us. That means he was with us in our suffering. He was with us in our pain. He was with us when we were crying. When you thought you were alone, he was with us. You see, God with us in the flesh shows us that God isn't distant from his creation. But matter of fact, he's very close to it. Matter of fact, Jesus has experienced the pain that you have experienced. The suffering that you have experienced, he has experienced it. You see, we're not talking about a God who doesn't understand. We're talking about a God who more than understands. He can relate. This God is relatable. So when we think about God with us, let's understand just the waiting that it involved for God to be with us. Let's think about what that really means and how it was done. God, not not just watching us saying, man, this is pretty messed up. This is some dark, this is a dark people right here. These people, man, I can't wait to strike these people down. Nobody comes with us, to us, and he dwells with us. He sees the pain, and he experiences the pain. So what are we going to do in response? If we can all stand up, please. Isaiah 53 reads this. Listen, I want to help you understand. God dwelling with us was so that he could suffer because you may think that you need to be happy in life. How many of you have ever heard as long... Your parents have told you as long as you're happy. How many of your parents have told you, man, I just really want you to be happy. right? There, there, how many of you think your parents are interested in your happiness? You should be raising your hand. I mean, I mean, that's what good parents... Astrid, are you interested in your daughter's happiness? All right, Evie's not raising her hand. I don't know. <laughs> you got to talk to her after. How many of you have heard from someone maybe a parent, maybe a role model, as long as you're happy. Listen, the human experience is not happiness. See, we're not born to be happy. Think about this. Think about how illogical, how it doesn't make sense. How are we born to be happy when there's all this suffering around us? How do we expect ourselves to be so lucky? Why do we expect ourselves? How do we think ourselves so privileged that we don't get cancer tomorrow and just die? How do we expect ourselves to be so privileged that we can walk outside, cross the street, and not be one of the people hit, in the, hit by a car? How do we expect ourselves to not be one of the many stillborns that have, have come about? Like, how do we have this privilege to think everything good has to happen to us, and this world has to revolve around our happiness? No, that's not the human experience. That's why Jesus, he doesn't relate to happiness. It's not like he came and he was the man of many hap- happiness. He was joyful, yes, But joyful has nothing to do with your experience or circumstance. That's what he brought to the world because they had no joy. It says here, who has believed our message and to whom the arm of the Lord has revealed. He grew up before him, uh, before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. That's talking about Jesus. He grew among the Israelites. He had no beauty or majesty attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. See, when he came into this world, he was born in a manger. It wasn't a special birth. It wasn't like some of these Instagram influencers or YouTube influencers that they be given their baby be like uh, gold cupid wings and everything it wasn't like that he was born in a humble way nothing attracted us to him see that's why some of y'all come to elevate y'all be sleeping in here y'all be bored in here y'all aren't interested because there's nothing to attract you to jesus there's nothing worldly to attract you to him there's no excitement there's no hype there's none of that to jesus see jesus is real you get what you get when you come to christ You see, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. You see, this isn't the type of stuff you're coming to elevate to hear. You want to hear about how you can be happy, how you can feel good. Listen, if you're not understanding Jesus' suffering, you're not going to experience Jesus' joy. If you don't understand what he went through, you're not going to understand his joy. You see, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. That means we didn't view him highly. When he was born in that manger, he grew up, no one really thought much of him. He took our pain and he bore our suffering. He didn't share with our happiness. No, he shares with our suffering. And he says, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. Some of you still do. You see the cross that Christ tells you to pick up and you say, man, that ain't life for me you see but he was pierced for our transgression we need him he was pierced for our transgression he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought him peace was upon us was upon him and by his wounds we are healed you see i want i'll stop right there because i want i want you guys to understand that that listen there is no hype to christ there is nothing to attract anyone to him. God with us in the flesh, what he's doing when he came in the flesh was not to look good, not to, to sound good. He came because we weren't good. So he took on something that wasn't good, our flesh. It's dying. It's decaying. It's broken. It's not going to last forever. It's, it, it has an expiration date. And he took that and he lived it out perfectly, sinlessly. See, a sinful person couldn't take upon sin. The whole world wants forgiveness. Don't get it. You want forgiveness. You know you've sinned. You know you have guilt, and you're trying to get rid of it somehow. So what you do is you listen to motivational videos. You drown out your life with escapism and entertainment. You try to get the guilt out of your system, but that doesn't work. There is only forgiveness. You only need forgiveness. But that was bought with the price. It was given to the man. Your sins were put on the man that had no sin, Jesus. And there's no other way. You can look everywhere. You can try to go to Buddhism and meditate on a a mountain saying yum, 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 30 billion times. That won't do nothing for your soul. That won't do nothing for your soul. You can try to get into this new age, positive thinking stuff. Listen, a murderer can think positive all the time. Ted Bundy was a very positive person. He killed many women, though. You understand that? Positivity will send you to hell. You see, there's a reason why Christ came and he suffered because that is what we are going to experience in this life. As a Christian, you will suffer. There's going to be bad Christmases. Don't look to God and be like, God, why would you give me a bad Christmas? My holiday sucked. Who cares? You should, you, you should see your suffering as an opportunity to know Christ more. And I know, I'm not trying to make fun of your suffering because a lot of you guys are going through some real stuff. We're all going through something though. I want to let you know that there's a, what, there's a purpose now. There's something behind your suffering. You look at your life and you see pain. Guess what? Now you can look to Christ and see pa- your pain there. Your pain was taken on, by Jesus. And in return, he gives you joy. If everyone bow their heads and closed their eyes, Listen, the altar call is very simple. If you want Jesus in your life, not just claiming to be a Christian, not just saying you're a Christian, but you want God with you. You want Emmanuel. You want to experience God, not just through the good times where you're happy and you're hyped, but even through the bad times where you're going through things. You want to experience the love of God, what Jesus intended for you to experience. Listen, then you come up to these altars. You come up to these altars. As Melanie sings, listen, don't wait. Begin to pray. Begin to ask Jesus, Jesus, I want to experience this joy. I want your light to shine in this dark life of mine. If you're not saved, that's exactly what you should be praying. Lord, come into my life. Make me new. Live in me, God. Live in me, God. I'm tired of being lost. I'm tired of being a, a, a guilty and, and feeling this, this judgment on me. I want freedom. I want you, Jesus. And if you do know Jesus, I want you to pray that his light will shine in the darkest parts of your life. But not maybe not just your life, but people around you. Maybe your home. Maybe there's a lot of problems going on in your home. Pray that Jesus will shine his light in your home. Maybe there's not a lot of joy in your school or in your home or in your family. Pray that joy would come in Jesus Christ. Some of you dread the holidays because you don't want to see your family. You don't want to force yourself to have these arguments. Pray that that would change. Pray that God would save your family. Before I dismiss you guys continue to sing melody please don't please don't misunderstand me I'll never make light of what you're going through but more importantly Jesus is not making light of what you're going through he's not he's not making light of your sin he's not making light of your depression he's not making light of anxiety he's not making light of your guilt you see Jesus is not making light of anything. See, he cares for us. We can cast our burdens to him. He cares for us. So listen, if you think you're speaking to a God who doesn't care, I want you to wake up. Understand, God cares for you more than you even care about yourself. He cares about you more than even your family cares about you. Your friends care about you. See, Jesus cares for you greatly, so much so that he was willing to take your cares on himself, your burdens on himself. If you're not praying, just bow your heads and and close your eyes. I want you to think about that. Jesus coming as a man. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. I pray, Father, that we would just continue to bask in that truth, that you are with us. Lord, I pray that even if our mother or father or family member or friend forsake us, Lord, may we never lose trust in you because you will never leave us. God, I pray that every youth in this place would experience a warming in their heart, Lord. That they would experience an encounter with the living God. Lord, I thank you for your care and your love for us. That, Lord, you can relate to us in our suffering, in our pain, and what we go through, God. You're not distant from that, but, God, you're very near to that. Lord, I pray that you be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name, Amen.